0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: We are the UR Tennis Network. I wanted to uh, just welcome you to American Tennis. This is Coach Chuck Crease. I am sorry about that intro. My golly gee whiz, I'm not going to sing American Tennis, and I'm not going to... Uh, Look, I love America. I love tennis. But the thing is, that's the way that switchboard works, and uh, it's just the way it is sometimes. So, folks, I am Coach Chuck Creasy, and we're back for another episode of American Tennis. I've been off for two weeks. We have had some uh, illness in the family, and I'm just telling you out there that uh, my wonderful, wonderful, wonderful mother-in-law has had to go through some surgery. She is the most awesome human being. On uh, this God's green earth And I always laugh And I tell people as mother-in-laws go she She's about the best I've seen You know the, One of the best out there And this lady the other day in line We were at a, a function after church she goes, she goes to me Well you know mother-in-laws get a bad rap sometimes I said yeah well as mother-in-laws go She's about the best, and she goes, exactly, mother-in-laws get a bad rap a lot of times, so she didn't want to talk with me about it that much, but uh, anyhow, keep her in your prayers, keep her in your prayers, just um, God knows who she is, and and uh, just please um, ask God for a speedy recovery, and thank you very, very much for listening to American Tennis, and uh, I've got a lot on the plate today that I want to go over with you and just, just a whole lot to do. I'm going to get through the commercials. If the daggone switchboard will work, I'm going to do that first, and then we're going to be back. But I want to just give you the sort of the intro and the tease this morning about you know what we're going to talk about. And uh, too much or overregulation promotes too little athleticism in anything uh regulation and i should have said marketization as well and i'm getting to the root of maybe what the biggest biggest problem or let's say obstacle nope let's say challenge not problem not obstacle let's say challenge that we need to overcome in american tennis if we want to get back on top i'm going to put together the pieces of the puzzle here but uh my great, great friend Coach Randy uh, Blumendahl uh, really lit it up with me uh, the last couple days as he said, look, look, our best athletes are not playing tennis, that's obvious. But, 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 it's what we're doing with with our athletes' potential. We're not allowing them to because of our over-regulating, under-stimulating, under-inspiring. We come up with all these things that we, we might not Everybody thinks we have the wrong people in tennis to be really be at the top of the world. But really we've got great people, great athletes out there, great people training, but we might be shooting ourselves in the foot. I'll be right back. This is Coach Chuck Creasy and this is American Tennis. (laughs) Coach JP Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years' experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at chuckcreasy.net. That's chuckcreasy.net. This Coach Chuck Creasy, and go to chuckcreasy.net. Folks, I'm doing a lot of new stuff. If you go to my website, chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E.net, you'll see about my camps, you'll see about my books, you'll see about my writings. Folks, I'm doing some consultant service within the NCAA rules when I can. If you'd like for me to help you out. And, folks, you know what? I'm doing some momentum man- momentum control management um, with, with – Different organization, different groups now. I am the leading expert. Now, listen, folks, this is a humble thing, but I am the leading expert in the world on momentum control. Only one person I've ever seen has written everything, anything on momentum control other than me, and that man in England wrote that after I was there in 1991. So momentum management of your careers, of your tennis, and other things. Folks, check it out, chuckcreasy.net. Chuck Creasy, I'm back. And, folks, listen, over the holiday season, I've got a whole list of uh, movies that every young person should watch. And, of course, Rocky, Rocky 1, 2, 3, and 4 are part of it. Miracle, Hoosiers, oh, my golly. Uh, there's just um, Miracle is by maybe one of my favorite ever. Rudy, and then, folks, all of this stuff is out there at, right at our fingertips. But monitor what your kids watch monitor those things that stimulate their excitement to play sports, their excitement to be motivated, their excitement to take on challenges of this world. As I told you, my son, who's going to be a doctor, I'm so, so proud of him, but he's going to be a doctor soon. He said, Dad, do you know that those daggone cell phones are the hijacking, they, they are hijackers of the dopamine faucet of the brain. In other words, it's hard to have desire, be inspired, be stimulated, be excited, be motivated to do anything if you're constantly getting the zip, 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 zip drip, 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 drip of dopamine into your brain from this dumbing down thing that we use. Be very careful with those cell phones, folks. Keep your kids off the on Internet if you can. Get him to some, uh, have him read some great books and some movies. But anyhow, here we are. I think Coach Randy, my good friend uh, for so many years, and just, my golly, how many national championships has he won with young people now already? And the international championships, national championships, just great, great motivator of, of young, young people, called me and he said, Coach, I think I got the answer. He said, have you ever noticed anybody take a big, big jump in athletics, especially in tennis? He said, okay, remember when Federer took a big jump, okay? Remember when Nadal came onto the scene, okay? all right? Remember Djokovic, he, for about two or three years, you know, the buzz on him was that the guy was uh, – Pretty dang good player, maybe one of the most talented, but, you know, he would take a dive. Not take a dive, that's the wrong thing to say. He uh, wouldn't follow through a lot, but then what happened uh, to him? Uh, Coach, what's the thing that separates us? What's the thing that separates them always? And, and then I got mad at him. He said, physicality. I said, Randy, is this really a word? Physicality. It's like, you know, are you disrespecting? Is that a word? No. My wife would yell at the children. She said, don't use adverbs, I think, or pronouns or whatever to finish the sentence. I don't think you're allowed to do that. But I said, honey, I said, you know, I'm just using the lingo that I hear all the time on sports talk shows and things. Physicality describes what the heck they're talking about. That's a new word, even though it's not in Webster's Dictionary. So anyhow, she let me have the one-two on that one. But the bottom line on the thing was, he said, Coach, if you remember back, and I'm hoping to get him on the show because I really, really want to talk in depth about that. He said, if you remember back, uh, Leighton Hewitt used to have his way with Federer in junior tennis and at the start of his pro career. I think Leighton Hewitt won an eight out of nine against Federer. And then what happened? I said, yeah, I remember what happened when I worked – up at the training center where I used to work, um, we had the kids all read this article about Federer just got fed up with losing, and he went to work on his physicality. Or he, he went to work in the gym. He took six months and busted it. And what is the deal with Nadal? Well, Nadal, everybody knows that if you have to play Rafael Nadal on clay, get ready to suffer. What is the difference? Well, it's his physicality or his, athleticism, his athletic practice. What happened? What was the miracle for two or three years with Djokovic? What What happened? Well, he started to train. He got in shape, and he went on this diet of, you know, whatever it was. He lost a little weight. He got more physicality. And what? why is Serena at the top of her game still? Look, when he said, Coach, it's real simple. Anytime I've ever coached a team, if I wanted them to make a big jump, I took them to the track, I got them in the weight room, and I worked on their – no, I'm not going to say it again, folks. I worked on their their physical prowess. Is that better than physicality? Their physical prowess and their physical attributes, and they became beasts, not just the best tennis player, but they became a beast of a tennis player. And they – Walked around with a better swagger. They believed in themselves more. And yes, it was mental. Yes, it was emotional, but also uh, the physical part of the game is huge, huge. Now, think of, see where I'm going with this, folks. Okay, my ten handouts. I'm boy. I'm you know I'm running off these handouts and taking them around. American tennis, honoring our game, honor our game, protect our scoring system. One is that it's 143 years old. We shouldn't be messing with it. Number two, uh, the importance of war zones. And number three, fitness. Okay, fitness has always been a cornerstone for the success in tennis. Abbreviations to tennis scorings dilute them and minimize the elements of conditioning and endurance that are needed in mind, body, and listen, and in spirit. With the element of fitness being minimized, results become more random, and the good athletes are not being challenged by our sport. In other words, yeah, you're good athletes. Only as a good athlete, because I played football, basketball, baseball, and all the others, at 13 years old, when I played tennis for the first time, I go, whoa, was that much harder than I thought it was. Whoa, wait a minute. This might be as hard as basketball in so many ways. This is a physical sport. The great, uh, uh, oh, gosh, what is the heck his name? Uh, great physical conditioner. I, okay, I was with a group of kids training, and one of the kids and the trainer was running the kids a whole bunch. And um, the, the head coach, the head coach, the training coach, one of the kids smarted off. What does this have to do with my tennis? All this running. The coach looked at the kid and said, "Son, tennis is a running sport. If you put a uh, pedometer on your foot or your your being at all, tennis is a running sport. If you put a pedometer on yourself, you would find out you probably run about three miles worth of sprints. So." All right, so here's where I'd like to go with this today. I'm hoping Coach Blumendahl uh, calls in. I see a, a number up there. Uh, it might be Coach. I don't think that's Coach Blumendahl's number. So, Coach, the other coach, if you're hanging on, I'll get to you in the second half of the show. Coach Blumendahl, if that's you, please call back on uh, your normal line. I don't want to uh, deviate from our uh, what we're doing here right now, but, but here's the deal. Here's where we're going. Okay, and I'm going to start out by talking about an article that I got out. Is this the Wall Street Journal? Actually, it's more of a local paper. All right, so here's, here's the article. Until you soccer is fixed, U.S. men are destined to fail. Huh. Okay, so. And I'm going to read you the article. But, folks, this is right on with what is going on in tennis. Because we don't push our kids hard, they're not – I'm going to set the table here real quick. Look, we might get the most physical kids in the world in the sport, but unless they are trained, they are probably an 80th percentile. The last 20% is always done with hard work and sweat. Now, as we dumb down the sport by no ad scoring, abbreviated scoring – 10-point 10 tennis, ten point uh, tiebreakers, all this stuff that is basically marketing, until we stop doing that, we're not going to get that last 20% out of any of our kids. Now, the other part of that, and I'm going to come back to this, is we might be barking up the wrong tree. We're sinking all of our money into inner-city tennis, inner-city tennis, inner-city tennis. Well, the point is, as I've said before, 74% of our professional athletes come from Small Town Tennis, USA, towns of less than 50,000 people where people want to stand out and get out, and tennis is a great vehicle to get out and see the world. Most of the time, this is my, look, Look, I don't have any research here, but most of the time inner city kids want to fit in and stay, stay they don't want to stand out, they want to fit in, and therefore... Tennis doesn't fit into the equation as well. I'm not saying we shouldn't have inner-city programs. My golly, a lot of my players I've had are in big city JTL programs. I started a JTL program. I started at the city parks. Fantastic, fantastic for introduction. But I think we're barking up the wrong tree. But here we go. I'm going to talk about soccer because soccer is the good equivalent here. Until you soccer, U.S. men are destined to fail. Okay, starts up. I said, David beating Goliath is very exciting, unless you're a fan of Goliath, With that's the United States. The United States has 330 million people in massive youth soccer system. Yet its men's national team just got bushwhacked by a team from Trinidad and Tobago, a country of 1.3 million. Hmm, how could this happen? It's not just about the cultural norms. Even if 90% of the U.S. population didn't care a hoot about soccer, we still have 33 million people in our country that do care and give a hoot about soccer. It's not just about high school football programs siphoning and taking all of the best potential soccer talent. There's plenty of talent to go around, plenty of great athletes. It's not about soccer uh, leadership or disorganization. There are many in, in Ineffective bureaucracies everywhere. Ineffective bureaucracies. Ineffective bureaucracies. Okay, again, bureaucracies. What do they do? They regulate instead of stimulate. They don't motivate. They. It's it's a blah blah blah. I'm not going to go there. It's not just about the unimaginative style of soccer players in the U.S. either. In other words, uh, nobody criticized the German for their type of player, whatever. You know the U.S. The U.S. has always been known for its swagger and sports, and and we just don't have it in soccer. Instead, the problem in America' system of identifying and cultivating soccer talent, or more accurately, it doesn't doesn't identify this, or it misidentifies it, or maybe it just doesn't train them properly. For the past six years, this guy has been researching and writing about the commercialization, here we go, the commercialization, the marketization of youth sports industry, including soccer system that excludes low-income and non-suburban families from participating. In other words, you know, tennis used to be a uh, country club sport. I, I'm, I'm stating that is more of a country club sport than it has ever, ever, ever been. And I'm not saying, but here's where we're missing the boat, folks. It's not inner-city kids. It's Small Town Tennis USA. I got a program ready to go. I've been to the USPTR. Anybody's interested in helping me out with this Small Town Tennis USA, I got it all set up. I got the right people in place. I need some help. But I think we can get it going, folks. I'm going to try to go to the PTR again and try to get them to throw their hat into the ring. I'm going down there this weekend, actually. U.S. kids don't play soccer with bare feet or hard scrabble fields where creativity dominates in action with few grown-ups inside or even hanging around. Instead, too many of our American kids play soccer in high-tech cleats in the manicured suburban fields, the best of the suburban fields, where they stand around quietly until adults run down, through these repetitive drills, these adults like all to prepare for an expensive tournament, three states away on a travel team. Huh? Does this sound familiar to you? Does this sound familiar? My buddy brought his kids down from the upstate to Charleston and a tournament, a local tournament. I think it was like when the L whatever level three is. So who knows what that is anymore? Because they've screwed it up so much with overregulating. So anyhow, they, they had an L3 tournament here. It rained. They had to spend three nights in the hotel with his family. He spent 1200 bucks. And afterwards, I said, how many games did your son play? He said, da-da-da-da, three matches, 49. I said, uh, your son, you just played paid $24 a game for your son to play tennis. And, by the way, did he play no ad? Yeah, they played no ad. Huh, $24 a game, that would be between 7 be seven and a half dollars to possibly four to seven and a half dollars per point. That's pretty expensive. Sports commercial components permanently ex every aspect of our youth game of soccer. Research presents uh, the recent book shows the family income about the people are playing. Usually it's over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Thirty-five percent of the youth soccer. Okay. Conversely, twenty-five percent of the families with below twenty-five thousand dollars. They only account for about 10%. In other words, poor people, only 10% are pe- playing. Now, here's the deal. If the USTA or the soccer league, they heard about, oh, the poor people aren't playing, what do they do? They go in and throw stuff, throw money at the situation, give them money. The kid's haven't sweat for it. You know, my son, I got all these side stories, but my son's doing baseball fitness stuff in the off-season right now. Guess what? My wife, my wonderful wife, she has him mowing lawns. He's paying for his own training, and I'm so pumped up. The kid sees money coming in. He pays money out, and I don't think he lacks hustle in his workouts because he's paying for it. My wife, good going there, honey. You're doing good. Okay? We know Everybody knows price of everything, the value of nothing with our training here in the United States, and soccer mirrors tennis. Okay? Uh, many... Many leave for financial reasons. Kids uh, lose interest, the fees, the coaches. Everybody basically has learned how to market the game of soccer. Now, does this sound familiar to you? The marketeers have turned over the game. Look, I'm going to keep battling with this no-adness abbreviated scoring, but it, I'm going to approach it from the standpoint of ideologies. In other words, ideologies are, are very people become passionate about their ideology, whether it's liberalism versus socialism, where it's rich versus poor, whether it's this or that, well, you know, but basically it comes down to this. You either believe tennis is an educational activity or you believe in the marketing, it should be marketed. And, you know, and here's the point, USTA, this is for you. You either believe your first job is to honor the game of tennis and protect the heritage and the history of the game, or you know what? Or you think, oh, let's get as many people playing as we can and make it popular. It's either the marketing for you guys or it's the history and the heritage. Shameful. I'm so upset with your actions. Nice people doing bad things. And it is a bad thing because 143 years of heritage is being dismantled by what you do. The result of the system in soccer is more attuned to identifying the best the best payers than the best players. Wow, does that sound familiar? Those remaining in what I call the paid-to-play soccer system increasingly sign up for high-cost tournaments like the annual Disney Boys Soccer Showcase. They get to go down to Disney World, play at the ESPN trainer with the idea that it will increase their chances of being identified by a national team or college team, once again, a marketing scam. My son had to go down and play a Disney um, event, and I was appalled. I was, it was how decadent it was. Everything from taking, uh, putting a, a fingerprint on getting in and getting out, I'm saying, what is this? You know, I mean, is this the <laughs> daggone, you know, what are you doing fingerprinting my children? You're not going to do it. I raised Holy Cain. But everything from that to fake trophies are so... Our team finished fifth, and they got these big old trophies. You know, just they make everybody happy. What would it have come? What would have become of Cristiano Ronaldo or Marta um, had they been growing up in the U.S. pay-to-play system? Talent is being found in overgrown weed patches and other places in the world, stuffed between urban row houses and rural farms, not. Uh, nor it's not being found there. Like I said, small town USA. It's not being found on these urban areas. It's being found among six six hundred thirty thousand kids playing for the American Youth Soccer Organization programs, which adhere to the philosophy that youth sports should be fun in of itself, not an expense or not an expensive pathways to the, some next level. That's their philosophy. Let's just have fun. It's not supposed to be competitive. This net net generation deal, folks, folks, you all recognize this repackaging. How many times have you been around tennis for a long time? Have you seen the USTA repackage the same old ideas? Look, red, orange, green, under ten and under tennis now, the net generation. Folks, I call it the WIMP generation is what's gonna happen. The WIMP generation. If you guys don't do it, <laughs> Bottom line, you don't know how to make kids sweat and stuff anymore. U.S. international domination in, like, men's basketball provides a good contrast to soccer. Sure, there's a significant commercial element to youth basketball. And, and, you know, they have the AAU circuit and those things, and there is some marketing. But this isn't the only place where talent's identified. There's a robust network of recruiters still cramped into high school gyms watching playground games and neighborhood playgrounds uh, teaming up with skilled players and looking for them all over the place in high school as well high school is another thing do we ever as college coaches go looking for talent in high schools no high school has become an after-school activity and we're missing the biggest opportunity in the history of the world to make tennis we need to do something much better we could do it so much better With high school tennis, we're just missing opportunity. Now it's leaked into college tennis, and college tennis is laughable. I don't want to forget this point, but you know, I want to continue on with the soccer analogy. My daughter is ten years old. My daughter, she's one. I've got a fourteen-year-old daughter, ten-year-old daughter, but my ten-year-old daughter. First of all, my fourteen-year-old's in running. No way to fake that. You are what you are. The clock says what you are. No way to get a participation trophy. Now, they might give out too many trophies sometime or do the 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A bit. But the bottom line, the time is the time. Swimming and those things can be marketed or marked. They can be marked. Well, my 10-year-old's in dance. She's in ballet. Now, before you go, wow, there's no payoff in that, you know what? There's not. She would have to be the prima ballerina of all prima ballerinas to ever get paid for that sport. But you know what my daughter is doing? She's learning how to pursue excellence. So in Charleston, South Carolina, they had the nutcracker this last. Downtown, probably 1,200 people in that auditorium. It was awesome. So my daughter practiced three and a half months, four days a week. (laughs) It was really tough. I mean, what they're doing, that coach is something else. So my daughter goes down last week. They okay, you know, it wasn't sort of a little run through. She practiced 10 hours on Tuesday. Thursday night, it was 1 to 10 at night, nine hours. Friday it was one to ten, nine hours. My wife was downtown the whole night. Saturday, two performances of two hours and 50 minutes each. So that's over five hours. Hey, hey folks, you ever heard this one? My son was on the court for five hours. My daughter. Was in a dance costume for five, hours. <laughs> ten year old. Then they had one on Saturday and Sunday. And I basically, folks, I'm not afraid. I'm an emotional guy. I was squirting a few. I saw my daughter up there when they played Nutcracker and stuff. And I saw what she could do. I go, Whoa, are you kidding me? My daughter could do that stuff. And I, I couldn't care less if she makes money or gets the scholarship or anything out of it. She is pursuing excellence. And I will tell you right now that my 10-year-old daughter works harder at ballet than my college boys are allowed to work because of all of the regulation and rules that we have. Oh, and it's laughable what they've done at the USTA Junior Tournaments. Oh, one set for for doubles? One set? Are you kidding me? That's so pathetic. One set, no ad scoring. Two, oh, you can't play more than... One match, two matches a day They'll get too hot, they'll get too sweaty It could be a lawsuit I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, why would you I think music and art might be the last place We're able to pursue excellence So let's talk about this soccer Because there might be a reason That uh, basketball You know, is unlike soccer It says The U.S. national uh, basketball team Does not systematically exclude An enormous swarm of people, swaths of people, merely because it's poor. They get to train in this simple, simplistic game with simplistic rules, and they get to also do it on the playground without supervision all of the time. Men's soccer will never be able to, to compete nationally. Our U.S. soccer teams will be as long as it is enmeshed in a class-restrictive youth sports System. Now, look, look, USTA knows this, but again, they're not hunting in the right pond. They're fishing for trout in a farm pond. They're fishing for uh, big mouth bass in the rapids of a trout stream. They're going after the wrong pond. They need to be in small town tennis USC. As far as US women's comparative international soccer, in, in contrast, it's a different dilemma. Many other countries. Don't have a culture where women are even allowed to play. Pumping the money into it and giving the women a lot of opportunities in the states has allowed our women to go to a higher, higher level. They will be competitive unless all of the other teams put out programs as well. But forget it as far as men's soccer. My prediction, though, is that for the same, excuse me, my eyes are bugging out on here, for the same economic Restrictions that kick U.S. women's soccer uh, In the grounds Okay Title IX advanced American girls In the past 44 years The opportunities May soon Overcome The essential hunger To be excellent at sports As well Now listen to this And they might find themselves In the same predicament As U.S. men Right now the opportunities have overloaded the hunger factor, and it will work for a little bit. The conversation is an independent and non-profit group. Uh, okay, that's about to go. Now, is that hit it on the head or what? All right, uh, folks, I'm gonna I'm gonna see you go to a coach here and coach. If you'll tell me uh, where you who who who's this coach? You're on the line there. You've been on for a while. Who is this, please?
0: Coach, I'm sorry I'm just uh, listening This is Coach Denise I have an appointment this afternoon I always listen to you late But I thought I'd catch you live today Don't want to mess uh, things you're up You're
1: kind to be on And Coach, uh, coach John Denise's program's every Thursday At uh, 5.30 mm-hmm. On the same network On We Coach Tennis or, Excuse me It's on the Yellow Ball Network Coach, you're a high school coach mm-hmm. For many, many years Uh, Could you throw your two cents in there? And I got to wrap it up in a few minutes. We're waiting on Coach uh, Blumendahl to call in. Could you? Could you wrap it? uh, Give us any? Well, I think
0: I I I really don't have much to say. I I stopped coaching a year ago uh, primarily because I was blessed to work with an athletic director for 20 years that had the same philosophy. But he warned me he was getting out because things were changing. And he didn't want to be part of the change. And truthfully, I figured I'd better off working on the outside trying to change. Because we'd we'd just been going downhill. You said it before. Coaches don't come to it. At one time, high school was a training ground for uh, for college. College was a training ground for the pros in America. And, uh, you know, we've, we're losing high school, and if we're not careful, we're going to lose college. So I have nothing to say. I'd really rather listen to you, and I look forward to talking to you the, the week after next.
1: A week from Thursday. Or next week, next
0: week, actually. Next Thursday, uh, I'll, you'll be uh, the mentor that we'll be featuring.
1: Great. I'll be on uh, 5.30 a week from Thursday which I believe is the 14th So folks Coach John Denise and Coach thank you very much For your program Uh, Do we have any just one Question do we have any Solution to the problem I mean Awareness is part of it but do we have Any simple solution to the Problem
0: well, I think the solution is you know we go back to your three-tier mentoring program. It's got to be beyond three-tier. We, we, we give up after sometime after that third tier. We got to keep going. Deep. We have to get more young people in—not young people that think they're going to do uh, necessarily new things, but uh, things people that are willing to go and what the foundation is about. When I got in, I was a basketball coach coming in. And matter of fact, uh, tomorrow's broadcast will be how you and uh, Dennis were the main influence in my uh, doing what I did with uh, tennis and the PTR because. Quite frankly, when you're going to something new, you have a theory. I thought that I was right with that uh, basketball and tennis are both sports, that so you have to run, 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 and you have to sit there and be able to switch on a, you know, on a dime what you're going to do. But I didn't know for sure, and it was your book, it was Dennis uh, Vandenberg's Influence on the progression of uh, teaching uh, the the strokes and uh, you know otherwise uh, you know quite frankly when I got in I
1: was uh, full of doubts. Well, Coach, thanks very much for your insights, and everybody look forward to hearing Coach John Denise's program tomorrow. And uh, we'll keep battling, Coach. I'm going to keep you in the game. I'm you know. You try to get out of it, I will hunt you down. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank I'm gonna, gonna just,
0: I'm gonna just hang on and listen if it's okay with you. I didn't mean to disrupt oh, anything. Okay. I have appointments this afternoon and a busy time coming up,
1: so I figured I have a chance to catch you alive. Let me do something different. Well, thanks for calling in and thanks for being on, Coach John Denison. And, and folks, there we go. We have someone there who's dedicated their life to helping young people. I mean through being a basketball coach and then in, in tennis and he's always said that he would rather the sport not turn into an after school activity. And folks look, here 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 look, if you're out there listening as a parent, as a player, as a coach, as administrator, USTA, I, I just hope the heck I hope the heck you listen <laughs> to some of my programs. And I I see some of you on my uh, Facebook stuff and I'm not too up on all that, but I see a lot of USTA people on there maybe monitoring me or maybe just listening for insights. But here are your hot zones. High school tennis is the sleeping giant. Small town tennis USA is the sleeping giant. It is not inner city. Once you get the sleeping giants, you have been fishing in the wrong pond been barking up the wrong tree and you barked up the popular tree inner city tennis that's popular to do that and it's politically correct to do that but let's go into the country and get our small town kids let's go to the high schools and get rid of this we can do so much better not which the scoring system but the format first of all high school tennis needs to have tournaments every 2 to 3 weeks get four teams together or uh, eight teams together every 2 weeks and you know what as a college coach I'd be at that high school event and watching some kid who is a number four guy four young lady or whatever that to would improve and make it through the ranks I'd say whoa this player's hot we better watch this player dual match tennis does not promote skill set nor does it inspire because when you win, you only grow arithmetically. When you fall, you fall exponentially or geometrically. Now, hear me out here. Tournament tennis, if you lose five first rounds in a row, you only fall arithmetically. You play the sixth tournament and you win it. You say, well, that was just learning. When you, when you fall, you fall arithmetically. When you grow, you grow exponentially. How many players have we seen come to life, whether it's John Isner up at uh, the D.C. Classic that year, whether it's an Andy Reich, I'm trying to think where he broke out, whether it was a Becker, whether it was in all of these players, they get hot for one week uh, weekend, and they, they can break out of the mold. So think about that, high school coaches. We've got to do something about the format. The best one I've seen, I think, is Texas. They do uh, short team format in the fall, and they do uh, individual tournaments in the spring, which is very smart. Whoever's in charge out there, you're smart, smart guy or smart lady. But you get your players better. Um, okay, the other thing, of course, is Small Town Tennis USA. I've got a program. I'm going to try to go to work. I need your help. Look, my email is chuckcreasey at gmail.com. Chuck, K-R-I-E-S-E at gmail.com. Email me if you'd like to get in on Small Town Tennis USA, and I can help. I've got, the, I've got the pilot program ready to go. I've got the format. I've got this, I don't want to say system. You know how much I hate that. I have the program that will inspire That's what I've got, okay. But I wanted to go here again, and I'm gonna gotta be on my game because I'm going down South Carolina Tennis Association this weekend for the fourth year, and try to talk coaches into to listening and and being being promoters of the heritage of our game instead of marketeers. Number one, why we don't use. No ad or abbreviated scoring. Traditional scoring is the most accurate, most fair, and most time-tested barometer for the measurement of skill sets that it takes to win in the sport of tennis. And the reason for that is abilities to overcome the pecking order's advancement through, and to advance through the normal rites of passage of the levels that you have to go through have been assessed by the consistent method for 143 years. The credible results and accurate career standings are only possible if you use traditional scoring. no ad scoring bastardizes it as it allows randomness and other things to help you get ahead. Number two, tennis is one of the few sports where the opportunity to play both offense and defense happens simultaneously. What most people don't understand is tennis. If you lose the point, the other person wins the point. It's a point. It's the score of double jeopardy. It's a sport of double jeopardy. Can you believe, Can you imagine this? If you were a basketball team, and every time you missed a shot, the other team got the point. Would you take better shots? Would you rec- Would it be a bigger swing? Well, listen. When we play no ad scoring. The seventh point is worth eight points. Eight points, coaches. Eight, eight. Think about it. At Four, four. If you lose that game, you're down five, four. The other team only, the only person, other person only needs four. You need twelve. At four, two, you go up five, two. You, the other person needs twelve. If it's four, three on that game point, you only need four. It's an eight-point swing. However, every game is like that because. If you win the game, you get the whole ball of wax. It's like winning, if it was the first game of the match, it would take, if you lost the first game of the match, it's going to take eight points for you to be at the same place as you would have been. Eight points swing on game points. Now, the other point is, look, fitness has always been a great cornerstone of the success in tennis. And they don't bring up, Though the fact that your opponent's lack of fitness also is a big determining factor, because here, if it was, if you were a boxer, if you were boxing, let's say you lose round one, two, three, four, and five, but round six you've given enough body punches or you've played enough long games in the tennis match, in the second set the other person starts to go down. Think of the the disservice we do to that player that is fit, in that we do not give them credit, we do not give them a chance to do the body punches that are needed against maybe a bigger ball striker, against somebody that is a fly-by-night pretender winner and not really a contender. So you can see what I'm saying there. We Really, the fitness has been taken out of it. Therefore, because of too much regulation, we don't promote athleticism. The conversion point, three in a row, starts to flow. If you do not win the first point in regular tennis, do you know you have to win three in a row or four out of five to win the game? And, and, and if you don't win the first, all you have to do in no ad is win one point in a row. You must learn how to win three in a row or the conversion point is the third point if you're going to be successful in tennis. War zone endurance, it's the long games that tell the tale. As a coach, I used to ask my players, you won that match 6-1 in the third, okay? but when did you really win it? Uh, coach, uh, you know, I was serving at 2-3, second set, I was down a set, and 2-3, I had that long, long, long game, and he had three ads, and I won that game, and he sort of went away. I have always asked my players, when was match point really? Not at the end, but war zone endurance. Next point: point construction and well-rounded games are being are highlighted by traditional scoring. There's a lot of different ways to win. You can be the counterpuncher, the grinder. You can be an attacking player. You can be the all-around player. You can be in a lot of different ways. But what we've done with no ad scoring is just promote fast break tennis only. I would have to hate to be, or I hate to have the son that was the five foot eight. Tremendous player, the Harold Solomon, the Eddie Dibbs. Even the Rafael Nadal will not – hear me, folks. The Rafael Nadal is not going to surface in the world of no-ad tennis. And you can say, all you want to always clutch, you'd be good at it. No, no. It favors the people who are slam-bam ball strikers instead of point players. Traditional scoring produces the great drama of a chess match as it, you have to learn how to close out each game, each set, and each match. It's the drama, I will argue, not the excitement. It's the drama. The drama is what makes it. It's not, look, the excitement at the game point, it's over. You go, whoa, whoa, what happened? Oh, I missed that one. down. It's, it is not exciting, first of all. It's boring as molasses when you have only seven pitches with an at-bat I'm using a baseball analogy, but could you imagine three balls, three balls, two strikes allowed, and that's five, or seven pitches total, or you've got to take the base or take the dugout. I mean, what would it be? We'd lose all the pitcher and batter duels, and our sport is going to be diluted, polluted, and finally, finally the marketeers prostitute it, dilute it, pollute it, and then prostitute it. So who dilutes it? Dilutes it. Uh, well-meaning, well-meaning administrators dilute it, trying to make it easier. Then we pollute it by shortcut ways of winning. Then we prostitute it by turning it over to the marketeer. So I think that's pretty good term. We have diluted, polluted, and prostituted the greatest, greatest sport in the world. Look, players and coaches don't want to play this junk. They don't want to play no ad scoring. Now, look, they don't have a say-so in it now. What you're doing is cramming it down their throat. Folks, do you know the USTA, what they did? They got college tennis first. Now the junior tennis there said, oh, said, oh, let's play the college system. What a bunch of bunk. They realize that they'll bleed it in, and five or seven years from now, kids won't even argue, and I guarantee you we won't have the best athletes. I don't care what, what hook you put out there, how much money you put out there, what candy cane you put out there to win. They're not going to be stimulated by the sports because the dopamine rush of the brain will be non-existent. No ad's not a rule of tennis. How do we come up with no ad? Jimmy Van Allen, I don't know. Jimmy was a great man, baby, but was he a brilliant tennis scientist? There was no thought process. All that happened with no ad scoring was the lesser team said, hey, we don't have to work as hard to be good. Hey, we can now... We can now have random results without working hard. Hey, we might win more because it's shorter and it's easier. And that's exactly what's happened. Tournament directors said, hey, we don't have to stay at the tournaments for long matches. Hey, wait a minute. It's just the bastardization of the game. Woo, Folks, what do we need to do? Last, when we use traditional scoring, we honor the game of tennis You administrators out there And I hope by golly That you administrators out there That are listening to this Think is your first job To honor the history and the heritage of the game Or is it to market The game and just get more Participants Well chew on that one Our national af- our, our natural and our best athletes Will only serve surface If we give them something hard that is tough to do and something to respect. Tennis is the best of all sports, but it might be the beast of all sports physically as well. Let's train our athletes hard again. Let's do what we need to do. Come on. Remember the story about the ballet. Go to a ballet. Hey, my daughters practice more hours piano. You know, piano than I get to practice my team in tennis. Give me a break. Give me a break. The saxophone player practices more. The violinist practices a whole lot more. Gary Player used to say, you're not going to be great until you do what I did, might make your hands bleed every day from the practicing. Folks, I think that that soccer thing tells it all. We're barking up the wrong tree. Again, USTA, a lot of very fine people, but daggone it. You, you guys who are the leaders who are pushing this, you don't get it. You don't get it, and I'm not saying I'm the smartest person out there, but I've done this for 47 years, and I know what works. What you're doing is going to hit the skids again. This net net generation, don't make it the wimp generation. You'll be pretty sorry. What's going to be net after the net generation? It's going to be the last generation, and I hope I have to eat my words. I really, really do because I love this sport. I love what it helps kids with. I love everything about it but by golly when you dumb it down we will be able to set it aside like a piece of furniture because easy to pick up is easy to put down hard to pick up hard to put down that's what we need folks folks yeah. thank you very much In America. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.